Hi, and welcome to CISO Talk. My name is Mitch Ashley. I am CTO with TechStrong Group, as well as uh, principal at TechStrong Research. I'm joined today by my co-host, co-host <laughs> Matt Newfield. It's the end of year. I, I've never said that the whole year. But I'm, anyway, welcome, Matt. Good to be doing this with you. Great to be here again, Mitch. And I don't mind being a co-host, too. It's, it's, co-host. <laughs> it's a new word. Uh, it's it's going to be popular next year. Trust me. OK, so our topic today is diversity, equity and inclusion. Fantastic topic. I'm super excited. We've got some amazing guests, just people I love anyway. But we're, the topic is super, super uh, fitting for, for what we're doing today. So I'd like to have everybody introduce yourself. Uh, Nicole Dove, if you want to tell us a little bit of who you are, where you work, what you do, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure, Mitch. So hello, everyone. I'm Nicole Dove. I'm a business information security officer at Warner Media. So I do all the things about cybersecurity. I'm also a visiting lecturer at Clark Atlanta University and host of the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast. Great to be here again with you fantastic people. Best voice for a podcast, I tell you. Every time I hear you, <laughs> I can hear your podcast. And of course, we have with us uh, Wendy Reynolds-Dobbs. Wendy, welcome. Tell us about yourself. Yes, thank you so much. So Wendy Reynolds-Dobbs, I lead diversity, equity, and inclusion at Unisys Corporation. Very excited to be here and um, join this conversation today. Fantastic. And I should have said our topic is diversity, equity, and inclusion in the context of security in the industry. Uh, Matt and I talk frequently about one of our roles of so people that have been doing this for a while is uh, mentoring, helping you know move the industry along in, in different areas. And diversity, equity, inclusion is a, is a big problem. Let's be frank about it. It's a lot of work to do, a lot of progress that we can make. We can sort of get caught up in the it's systemic. And yes, that's part of it. Um, but uh, and I'll, but we can't let this stop us from what we can do in, as individuals, as people working together, those kind of things. So we want to really explore this topic today. Um, I'm, I'm excited to learn a lot as well as participate. I know Matt is too. Matt, you want to just share a few thoughts to kind of kick off our conversation and then we'll, we'll get rolling here. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm very excited as well. I think this is going to be a great learning experience um, and help either solidify thoughts that some of us have that are in the audience and here doing this podcast in our leadership styles and areas that we should be changing and looking at. Um, you know, we were doing a pre-brief around this and, you know, it, I find it very interesting because words matter and, you know, having the conversation here and being an active listener, even if you're not engaged, actively listen to what is being said. I think it's going to be very important because each of us are individuals and we have to make sure we understand that, understand other people's points of views matter. Um, and then what we can be doing, one of the interesting things that I've seen in DEI conversations is there's a tendency to talk about either way far in the past or way far in the future. What are we going to do today to fix something after most of us have retired? You know, what happened when we were children? And one of the things that we're going to try to talk about today is what are things that we should be doing today, right now? This doesn't have to be a next millennia or a pre-millennia conversation. Let's talk about today because it matters to people today. So I agree with you, Mitch. I'm excited to be able to talk to Nicole and Wendy. They're amazing uh, people in this industry. They're just amazing people in general and are going to bring a wealth of knowledge to this conversation. 
You know, just to start the conversation, I'm very curious because both uh, Wendy and Nicole have ex- a lot of experience in the topic of DEI, and I'm curious how do you how do you bring up this conversation? How do you have this conversation with friends, with peers? You know, I'm talking speaking as a white guy. I'm I'm afraid of bringing it up the wrong way. You know, but but I will even if I you know do it in an awkward way, but um, how do you start that conversation? Uh, Wendy, do you want to kick that off? Sure. You know, the one thing about DEI that I find um, just really interesting, it's very personal, right? And what I always share with people is that everyone is part of the discussion of DEI. Like a lot of times I hear that people like, oh, we have to hire a diverse candidate. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because there's a group of people that are diverse, right? Um, So what are you saying? Do we need to hire women? Do you need to focus on this or that? We're all part of this word diversity, white men, white women, black women, LGBTQ, we're all part of it. And so when you talk about how do you bring it up, you just do. It's part of your daily conversation. In everything that we do, we're making decisions. We're interacting with people most of the time, especially in the workplace that are different from us. So it naturally comes up in conversation. Even when we were talking, you know, in our discussion prior, it just comes up. And I think for people, you do have to get um, comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, You have to be okay and and feel comfortable challenging each other as well. But I do want to stress the fact that DEI is not for one population. It includes everyone. We're all part of that fabric of DEI. But Nicole, I would love to get your perspective on it as well. I totally agree, Wendy. You know, it's interesting. We talk about DEI, whether we know it or not, in every facet of the business, right? So when we come, when we begin to talk to it about people, it shouldn't necessarily be that difficult. I do appreciate what you called out, Mitch, right? Like, I don't want to bring it up in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, just like any other thing, we've got to find our safe spaces. Um, and sometimes you can just ask, like, hey, I want to talk about this. How should I approach this topic? Are you comfortable about approaching this topic? And let's just have the conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, one of the things, and I, and I love what, and I, I'm, if you see me looking down, unlike a lot of our CISA talk episodes, I'm taking a lot of notes. Um, so when you say ask, and this goes back to Mitch's question, you know, when when I'm in a lot of situations, you know, we are taught by legal, we're taught by HR to be very careful around these topics. They've been made sensitive. And we can make a billion excuses of why it's made sensitive. I've heard craziness that it's the media's fault or it's our parents' fault or it's HR's fault or, you know, it's Mitch's fault. I mean, I blame Mitch for a lot of things. (laughs) I would love to explore a little more on, you know, in companies, and let's not say corporations, but in the world of business, is there really a wrong way to bring this up without going to crazy I mean, you could, yes, there are stupid ways to bring it up, but I, you know, it's a conversation I think is important at a leadership level. I think is important at an all hands level within your group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important when you're talking out in public. So how should this be discussed so that it doesn't come across as fake? It doesn't forced. It doesn't come across in the wrong way. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts about how do how do we do that? How do you get this moving? Well, let me first 
talk a little bit about the sensitivity piece, right? Um, it's interesting because I think the world is just changing. I mean, every you know everything changes, but I think the world is changing where conversations that used to be very taboo, like, oh, don't mention this, don't mention that, are coming into light, right? And organizations are trying to quickly um, react to that, right? Um, but the one thing about it, it gives us an opportunity to talk about DEI more candidly, more transparently, where I believe probably even 10, 20 years ago, we stayed away from a lot of topics. Um, you know, I didn't, I might not have talked about my experiences of being a black woman. And now it's like, yeah, the, the door has opened to really talk about that. So I think, you know, um, like I said, I think the world is changing where people are starting to be more transparent around conversations like this. And so, yes, still there might be some touchy subjects here and there, but I think the door is open where you can ask questions kind of like Nicole shared and be able to have conversations in the workplace. Um, that are around topics that we used to not talk about. Um, but anyways, going back to your question is like, how do you, I think your question, Matt, was like, how do you bring things up in an appropriate way? I think DEI shows up in so many ways when we think about the workplace. When we think about, you know, having conversations um, with our, you know, when we have talent discussions, you know, I'm in HR, you have talent discussions and you're talking about, um, you know, evaluating talent, DEI comes up in that conversation. It's like how, you know, if, if you're in a, a performance conversation and someone says, well, I don't like their style. You're like, well, tell me more about that. What does that mean? Questioning that, let, let, you know, why are you telling, why are you sharing this? So I think it comes up in our daily discussions that we have with our teams. Um, I think it comes up in some of our processes where you can easily bring DEI into, into the conversation. I think as leaders, when you're having town halls or you're, you're talking to your team, you can bring DEI into that discussion. What are we doing in our organization around DEI? What are some of the things that, I believe in around DEI. So I think there is, there's always natural ways in the workplace to bring it up. And then even, you know, personally, when, when talking to your teams, you know, asking questions like, you know, just in your daily kind of conversations with your teams, it's going to come up. I think where for leaders, I think a lot of times they're apprehensive sometimes to not rub people the wrong way. But I, I think if people understand your intent and know that you're not perfect and you're not always going to say or do the right thing, that's OK, too. And to acknowledge that. But, Nicole, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this was interesting. And I appreciate, Matt, that that we wanted to dig a level deeper on this. Um, I remember when I moved to Romania for a while. So now I'm on the opposite end of the coin, mm -hmm. right? And now I'm the outsider and I'm trying to engage this very, very new cultural dynamic and environment. And I'm not necessarily certain um, how to process things because I am not back at home. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I did was I, I found my person, right? Um, that I could ask questions in that. So they may not come out right. I may be offended by some things. I may not have that understanding. They can provide that for me. So there are a couple things, a couple key points on that. The first is self-awareness, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then how that trickles down into understanding that I may have my own unconscious biases and then self-education. So before I engage with somebody from that community, I come in knowing a little something. And I think that's how we begin to have conversations around DE&I. Um, even if there's something that I want to ask someone from a different group, why am I curious about that? Exploring my own curiosity, right? And maybe pressure testing that somewhere else. But I really think self-education, 
self-awareness and realizing our own biases go a long way and help facilitate having those exchanges. You bring up a great point too, Nicole, um, because I always stress that as well, Mm self-awareness, number one. Um, And I think for me personally, um, and maybe, I mean, yes, I'm a DEI leader, so people feel very comfortable asking me all kinds of questions around DEI. And I'm like, of course, but you got to be willing to open up just a little bit. So when we think about, you know, and we talk about this with DEI and DEI education and DEI education is great to start that self-awareness journey, right? It's not the end all be all, but it definitely starts opening your eyes um, and kind of going down the path of exploring and learning. And the one thing that I always share with people is that it is a very personal journey, right? When we think about DEI, you might be challenging how you grew up, your experiences, um, what you were taught, and it could turn your whole life around, right? So it's Mm -hmm. very personal. It's not like teaching someone how to use Excel and and go back on your computer and do it. It is very personal. And a lot of times you go through this process and you're like, oh my gosh, what I was taught was wrong. Or, you know, what I felt before was wrong. I, um, I used to be, you talked about being a professor. I used to teach um, as well. And I remember I was in a class and I had a student from another country and she was like, I was so um, nervous about being around African-American people for what I grew up knowing, you know, in imagery. And she's like, and then I came here and meeting, you know, folks that were different from me, I felt very comfortable. I I started to change my thought process. And so with DEI, I think um, the one thing, self-awareness is important, but being able to open up just a little bit um, with people, because that gives them the invitation to open up to you. And so when you're able to do that and really start to build relationships in that way, you can have more authentic conversations. Um, People will give you a little bit more forgiveness when you say something that's a little bit off-putting. <laughs> and um, but but I think that's a big thing is you got to be willing to share just a little bit about yourself to allow people to do the same. Especially if you come at it from a real quick, if you come at it from a I'm not telling you something, I'm asking you something. Hey, I'm thinking this, am I am I off basis? Am I wrong? And and accepting that criticism, Mitch, go go ahead. No, I was just going to offer um, one of my many family members, one of my family members falls into a diverse category. And um, in talking with her about it, one of the things that I didn't know I was sitting, saying something wise or important, and, but yeah, I, I said to her, I said, you know, I, A, I know that I will never have the, the same experiences. It's impossible for me to whether it's not a just history background or just not in, in that place where I could. So knowing that I really truly can't experience it, the approach that I take is I really am having this conversation to learn. So you talked about education. There, there's learning about you know DEI as a topic, but I think the conversation is the learning part of it too. And if you're if you're approaching this as um, well, let me tell you what I think about the topic. That's a whole different approach than let's talk about it because you know I have some things that I know a lot, maybe a lot that I don't know, and I'm, there's terms that I maybe haven't used before. Or are you being used in a different way? Because I know in people that are coming through school and college now, you know, women's studies and and uh, you know diversity and all th- those are topics that are being taught, skills that are being taught, and they're using words in new and di- same words in different ways. And so I have to say, well, what do you mean by that? Because that meant 
this when I was growing up or as I understand it. So you, but you also have to self challenge mm-hmm. and just assume, don't assume I know what I'm talking about. I think, I think I know some things, but I'm willing to, to understand it's different than I think. Well, you both said something that I, I want to explore a little more. It kind of blew my mind a little bit in a good way. We always talk about mentors and, you know, I'm a big fan of getting mentors. And when we talk about mentors in a lot of ways in business, it's about your career. It's growing your career. You know, you get a technical mentor, you know, get someone in the cyber field. If you're in the cyber field, maybe you get somebody that's not in your field to help you learn diversity as in finance, if you're a cyber person. But you both have touched on finding someone that you can build a relationship as like a mentor, and I, I want to make sure I'm hearing this right, to help educate maybe the wrong word, it may be the right word, but help me on my journey to understand DEI better and make sure that, you know, I've encompassed that in my, my organization, my life, my career, because to Mitch's point, I can't experience what you experience and you can't experience what I experience. And that that requires a conversation, and you both said it in a safe way, where you know a little about me. So if I say something that I don't, it doesn't, it, you know, in my head is not derogatory in any way. But you're like, okay, look, <laughs> when you say you don't care, and there's a joke behind that to the audience. I know you don't mean that the way you're taking it, and I I could go, whoa, yeah, I'm never going to say that again. So I would love to get your thoughts on the mentoring aspect of that. So, yeah, so, well, yeah, no, go a bit, Nicole. It looks like you want to say something. Yeah, there are a couple layers I want to touch on there, and I don't want to get us off track with that. But I think we all have something that we can learn from somebody else, right? Whether it's what to do, and sometimes it is very much what not to do. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of learning even as you begin to explore who these trusted advisors are, mm-hmm. right? Because even their advice is a downstream product of their own experiences. So if there's somebody who's very bitter or very jaded or, or who has, has come through an industry that wasn't very welcoming or very pleasant, their perspective is going to be very, very different than somebody who had a different shift of experience, right? Like the advice that I probably give people now is very different than the advice that I gave um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, you know, earlier on in my career. There's another aspect of mentorship I want to touch on, but it's very much linked to increasing um, representation in organizations. And that may be a little later in the conversation. So I'm going to point to Wendy for her comments before I take this totally off the rails. <laughs> Yo, no, it's it's good. Um, yes, I. so I am a firm believer in mentors. I was just having a conversation yesterday with folks about that. Um, and you do have mentoring for all different aspects of your career, right? Um, I have mentors that are DEI leaders in other organizations. I have mentors that are HR leaders in other organizations. Um, I have mentors within our own organization um, from different 
areas of, you know, the business. And then I have personal mentors, right? They're different culturally from me. They're, they're, they might be friends. They might be some of the same people that I'm mentioning. And so I think as you build relationships, it, it, it could be with people that are, you know, on your teams or your peers or outside of your company. Um, they can serve multiple purposes. There's people I pressure test things with all the time or they'll call me and be like, uh, am I thinking about this wrong? Am I approaching this in a different way? Do you see it in a different way? And so I think as you build relationships with people naturally, um, those conversations can take place. Well, and they should take place, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's interesting because for me, with my mentors, I always pressure test and I've got a very diverse slate of, of mentors. They mm-hmm. range from all sorts of industries, all sorts of backgrounds. Um, you know, it just, it's, for me, it's a very diverse slate, but I never really thought about it from a DEI perspective. It was, I think, inherently there. Because one of my mentors is a female executive, and when I'm approaching things, she's giving me her point of view, mm-hmm. but I never approached her specifically about women in the workplace, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of conversation, um, I have. I had dinner the other night with one of my mentors, an African-American executive. I never approached the conversation on that specific part of it. Mm-hmm. which I'm going to start doing. I'm actually going to, to meet with them to say, I want to have conversations around this specific part instead of it always being around technology, leadership, those, those typical things. That's why I thought it was so interesting the way you said that, because even for myself, I just never thought about it that way. Yeah, which I think is a great thing too, right? And I also love that the foundation of those relationships are not race. Right. Right. Because I think something that happens is like we we build this inventory of contacts. Right. Because of different factors. But there are not intentional connections. And I also believe that because of the foundation of the relationship that you have, I think they will be very excited to hear that you want to have a conversation about those experiences and you're not somebody new. There's trust Mm -hmm. there. So they can have, you can have a very different conversation than somebody maybe you just met at a conference last week. That's well. And it's also, I, I would think not insulting because I would actually let's flip it around. If someone said, Hey, Matt, I want you to be my mentor because you're a white guy. I'd be like, whoa, 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 what? That's a little weird. I'm not interested in that, that, you know, go, go away. So I would assume that if I or anybody asked someone to be a mentor, if I called you, Nicole, and said, hey, I need you to be my mentor. And you were like, oh, this is really exciting. Why? And I'm like, oh, because you're a black woman. Mm-hmm. You go, hey, click. Right. All right. Talking to that well, man. you know what? I'm going to challenge that, Matt, because. <laughs> We have typically, and it's scientifically proven, we gravitate towards people who physically look like us, right? So I may only have a group of mentors who are all Black women. Well, guess what? The places I want to go are not occupied by all Black women. So I may call you and say, Matt, I need you to talk me through something because all I'm doing is talking to these Black women all day. I need to get the perspective of a white guy, right? Because it's going to be very, it may be very, very, um, singular sometimes in, in perspective, but to your point, it, even to, to challenge my own thoughts, it's got to be a little bit more than that. Well, yep. and, and I think, I think you, what both of you are bringing up the point, which I share with people all the time around, you know, people are like, Oh, what can I do to, you know, to kind of grow in this DEI space personally, or whatever you got to have diversity around you, 
right? Um, and when you think about your mentors, you need to think about that. I have mentors that are different ages. I have folks that are in my life that are younger. I got folks that are older. I got folks from that have grown up in other countries. Um, I have folks that are rural. I have folks from all areas, right? Because because your conversations as you're building relationships with people do get personal. They should to some level, right? So when you, you know, like you said, Matt, you have a diverse slate of mentors. That's important when you're thinking about mentorship, right? And building relationships with people. You've got to do that because for most of us, um, and I think the world is changing. I really, really do. So I try to get my, get myself out of my own mind. But for most of us, you know, we grew up in communities with people that looked like us. We worshiped in places, if you worship, with people who looked like us. We went to schools with people who looked like us. We self-selected friends with people who looked like us. Then we get to the workplace and we're forced to work with people different from us. And that's where the confusion lies. And there's no way around it in the workplace, right? right. And so in our lives, we self-select and continue to do that. I don't want to live in this neighborhood. I want to live in that neighborhood. Well, why do you want to live in that neighborhood? Why? I, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting. I grew up in inner city Los Angeles um, and I went to school outside um, of my area um, with people who never have seen the other side of L.A. Never have they ever. Why? They never had to. Right. So, you know, when we think about the way we've grown up, a lot of times we've self-selected. And so by opening your um, your opportunity to meet people who are different than yourself is very important. Nicole, were you going to take us off the rails on or did you start to go down that path? I'm wondering. <laughs> I sure was. Okay, you yeah. got an interest in <laughs> where we're going next. So I'm on the ride with you and you're driving the bus. So I, you let me know where we're going. <laughs> So let me so let me know if we want to jump here. But I, I thought mentorship was such an important part of the conversation because when we talk about solutioning for mm-hmm. DEI and getting people, obviously insecurity is something that is a that is prevalent that we need to shift, right? We talk about, oh, mentors, mentors, mentors. It's not just mentorship. Like that's a great part of it, but it's gotta go, it's gotta go beyond. I read something and I don't know if it was data backed or not, but it really struck a nerve with me. And what it said was that black people are the most over-mentored and under-sponsored. <laughs> have you seen this as well, Wendy? Yeah. I have, I have. I and have. I and I think it is true. So I don't know if we're there at the point where we want to talk solutioning. Um, no, but you, I think because here's who I just want to jump in because the yeah. question I was going to ask us next is how do we help people who are growing and emerging as leaders that you know come from a diverse background? Um, what what do we do more than just mentors, people that are reporting us? Now you're bringing up sponsors, so there's other ways of doing it too. Oh, so yeah. how do we help pay it forward um, for someone? You know, you all have advanced in your careers. You know, if you had sponsors, people that have done things that really helped you. Uh, yeah, what can we learn from that? Yeah, let's get down to the meat, right? This is is real stuff, right? So I think that organizations are starting to have. Well, first, when when I started my career, we were not having the conversation at Mm -hmm. all. It was not happening. And it was very taboo to have the conversation. And sometimes when we tried, 
I think we would be penalized unfairly for having the conversation. I think we were just in a space where we were not ready to recognize the reality of where we were. To Wendy's point, things have shifted significantly, right? Now we're having the conversation. But I think sometimes we just have one layer of the conversation. And it's very much where you may see an organization say diversity is important to us. We have a goal for diversity. Here are our numbers. But that is just like so bottom of the barrel, right? Because sure, you may re- you may recruit, right? You may staff these positions, but what is the experience of those people once they come into the walls of your organization, right? How do we, you know, reconcile unconscious bias to performance evaluations, right? That is a very, very prevalent problem. How do we think about pay and equity, right? Now that becomes a downstream impact of experience, performance, and now we're talking about pay. And I think until people stop talking and create a space, a safe space for people of color to share their experience and share the challenges and people listen, we've, we've got to go from no conversation, you know, singular layer conversation to honest conversation and courageous conversation. Because if they don't have that feedback, they, 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 how can you solve a problem that, that you don't know that you have? And I also think even at the beginning, the pipeline piece, it is a problem. One last point I will make. A lot of opportunities I've had in my career and probably many of you have really been because of relationships that I've had with people, right? And so if we as organizations are not going out and building genuine, intentional relationships with organizations that that create communities for the people that we want to hire and bring in, we are not going to see a shift. And I think right now, because there is such a vast um, shortage of talent in the cybersecurity industry, it is the perfect time to level up your diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the complementary talent acquisition strategy. When I know I'm like, you said a lot in there. I'm like, oh, what what do I want to, what do I want (laughs) to talk about? Um, So many things. Let me go back to a couple things. And Nicole, I I couldn't agree with you more on on your comments earlier. Um, When it comes to mentoring, just thinking about that, mentoring is very important, right? And we talked a little bit about sponsorship. And we can use that wording too, because it is different than mentoring. I'm not going to go through all those definitions. I think the important thing when we think about our internal talent is when we think about supporting our internal talent, especially those that are from underrepresented groups, is advocating. When there is a great talent, you have to advocate. And what does advocate look like? Advocate might be spending a little bit more time with that talent. Advocating might see, you might see something in that talent. Maybe they don't have all the skill set you need, right? But they have the core competencies to do the job. So that means they need a little bit more development in XYZ area. That means they might need an extra one-on-one with you or more time with you. That means that when you're in that talent discussion, you're bringing that person up and giving them the assignments to give them visibility to other leaders in the organization. That means you might put some, put a, put an opportunistic hire on that person, right? Now that doesn't mean that you're picking unqualified people to do a job. Okay. Like that's always the thing like, well, you're just telling me to, to, you know, develop this person. No, this is someone who is a talent 
for the organization. Okay, and deserves a chance. Kind of goes back to this equity piece because people always talk about equity, um, which is very important. Don't get me wrong. And although the, the the outcome of equity is similar to equality, the approach to get there is not the same. And so, because we know people have different backgrounds and different experiences and come to the door with just a different view, we might have to treat them a little bit differently to make sure there's a fairness in how. Um, they they progress within the organization. So advocating is so important um, for your internal talent. And when it comes to external talent, I think Nicole touched, I'm not going to speak on it because Nicole touched on a lot of the aspects that we should do externally um, for talent to come in. And then lastly, that I'll just double down with Nicole is creating a culture um, that really embraces everyone. Right. And, and, and thinking about the experience of your employees within the organization, you can't just bring them in and say, good luck. You got, you, there has to be an experience that that really helps um, to foster that diversity and inclusion. Imagine if those were the metrics that we showed for DEI, not how many people are in different uh, positions by by diverse, you know, at whatever level, but the sentiment of employees who are diverse at every level, it would significantly change the conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. And I, I love everything you all are saying. And, and I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people use advocate mentoring and sponsoring interchangeably when they actually mean so they, they're so different in what they mean. And I, and I think, you know, as we are here doing CEO talks to help people, you know, a couple of other things that you said, but we, we sort of rushed through because of time is you have to think different about who you're bringing in. The, the field of cybersecurity, for example, we want to help make it more diverse across the spectrum. So you have to look in different places. You bring up LinkedIn. You can't go to the same old places and expect different outcomes. And finding different places and changing your mindset on what qualifies someone, I think, is important. You know, we are always looking for that perfect candidate. You want that that person on paper that it, everything checks. You're like, wow, you are not a diamond in the rough. I found a diamond for a nickel. This is the mm-hmm. greatest thing ever. And I think we all have to stop that. Yeah. I know me personally, I'm very lucky because Wendy, you work at Unisys. I have someone at Unisys that I can go to that helps us as a corporation, helps me as a person, as a leader, and helps my team. And you know, for a lot of our audience in your organization, do you have someone in your group, in your sphere of influence, in your leadership ranks that can do that for you? And if you don't, what can you do to change that? That is a very important thing and one that we saw that we did not have and we we found and we were very lucky to find. Well, we're we're at the end of our time and we could go 10 hours. <laughs> I'm sure we could. I, I, I certainly could. I had a bunch more questions. So we need to, to continue this conversation. Um, maybe we just take uh, one thought from each person. What's a takeaway from this? If you took one thing away from this conversation, what might it be or what was it for you? Um, I'm Matt, I'm going to ask you to start because you were taking a bunch of notes. <laughs> I took a bunch of notes. I think for me that one of the biggest things I took out is how to differentiate the mentorships that I have. Really look at people I mentor, am I sponsoring them in the correct way? Am I advocating 
for them or am I just giving them advice, right? Hey, you should go do this instead of me being out there with them uh, is a big change for me. And, and as I said in this, I'm actually going to call my mentors um, and I want to change that conversation. And, and I'm going to call Nicole too and, and, and tell her, you're going to help me. Please, please. So, Let's do it, Matt. Right. And, and, but having those conversations and, and feeling a bit more comfortable that I can have those conversations um, is something I'm going to focus on. Great. And Nicole, you were referenced. So you, you have to go. <laughs> yeah. So one thing. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anytime for Matt. And one thing I want to say is I want to encourage leaders of organizations before you push metrics and data about diversity, I would ask that you pull it first, right? I would say, find a way to create a safe space where your employees can share information about their experiences, where they can talk about belonging, right? Before you push the data or metrics, pull data about pay equity across, you know, different levels in the organization um, and then have not only just honest conversations, but courageous conversations that don't just focus on concepts, but challenge yourself to create solutions and don't be afraid to fail. That's where all the juice is. (laughs) I love that. And I would say just to add to it, two things. I do feel um, and I shared this before, just getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It, it really, whenever you're challenging kind of your beliefs and your thought process, that's an uncomfortable space to be in. Um, and that's a lot of times why we shy away from conversations or you, we hear someone say something and we don't want to, you know, like, oh, we don't want to say something. Or, or we hear someone say uh, something about talent and we don't want to challenge them. Get uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And also um, what Nicole shared earlier, really continue self-awareness. It's so important um, to help you as you continue to grow in this space as well. Well, I had I had a lot of ahas. I could create a long list. I think one of them was thinking about um, mentoring as sharing what you know and sponsoring as helping somebody. You know, we're helping somebody with what we know, but helping them in, in the movement, the advancement or whatever it might be. So that's sort of a different frame of reference and that that creating the conversation, even if it's awkward, ask, you know, ask for forgiveness. Right. Because <laughs> I'm going to make mistakes. It's OK. Let's 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 learn together and we're going to sponsor, help each other have this conversation, too. <laughs> So what what a great what a great conversation, a great way to finish our week when we're recording this. So I want to thank uh, Nicole Dove and thank Wendy Reynolds Reynolds Dobbs and of course my co-host and friend Matt Newfield. All of you are our special people, and uh, thank you for creating this space with us to have this thank conversation. You. Thank, thank you. you so much for using your platform for this very important conversation. Yes, yes. Again, by the way, I have a stack of notes. And yeah. I, we have at least a dozen more episodes that we'll, so we'll get back with you and, and do this again and really, really appreciate your time. Wonderful. Thank you. Fantastic. Be well, everyone. Bye.